Everybody and welcome to the Indie Comics Podcast, a collaboration with me from Weird Science, Jim and Rocky from Comic Boom. Hello. Here, where, yeah, hello. And we're <laughs> going to be doing, you know, an Indie Comics Podcast mainly because we want to read some Indie Comics. We have been doing a lot of stuff. You, Rocky, do a bunch of shows here on your YouTube channel. You follow a lot of the DC stuff, me as well. And this is a chance for us to kind of break the mold a bit and read some things that we might not have read normally in a time where a lot of people are getting a little bit, you know, down with some of the big two things. And a lot of people mentioned that they've been reading a ton of indie stuff. So here we are. We're jumping in, which you actually have read, I think, more indie stuff than I have, especially recently. I'm more on the manga side of things on the indie deal, but this is going to be more of the Western indie stuff. And I'm kind of excited. I am excited about this because it gives me an opportunity to read a bunch of things that I normally wouldn't read. And that's pretty cool. And I'm I'm excited about it. How about you? Yeah, I, I am. I am excited about it. And I, I, I share your sentiment. I mean, I listen, uh, I, I, you know, you and I both review uh, pretty much every DC comic every week. And it's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, a, well, I might be a little bit more optimistic than you in terms of DC in general. You are. At least lately. You actually are. Uh, I, I will say, though, that I mean, I would be I would have to be insane to be completely happy with what DC's output is. And and the fact the simple fact of the matter is, is that indie there's so much great stuff out there. And it's actually a it's a bloody sin that I ha that I don't review more indie comics, because frankly, overall, I'm I'm more satisfied with indie comics. So I, when I'm you invited you. me to, 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 you know, to collaborate with you on this, I thought it was a great idea because it there's so funny many. Too, because we just kind of came up with this. We were going to do <laughs> something else. And then I just said, hey, you want to do some indie stuff? You're like, yeah, all right. And then I, you know, had to get all my indie things. But I agree. And like you said, I don't think that it's necessarily the overall deal of, oh, my God, DC is so bad right now. For me, it's actually just the same books over and over. Even if they are great, you kind of get tired of doing the same books each and every week. It really does. And I end up having a Marvel podcast, too. Same deal. And you and Jace, when you do your show, you end up the same way that me and Eric do the DC show. It's not necessarily the idea a lot of times of I'm going to review what I like. It's we're reviewing everything. And sometimes that gets a little bit tiresome. And you said there are so many books. I hear all these people. Oh, my God, you got to read this. You got to read that. And I kind of like, oh, man, that stinks. I want to read that stuff. Plus, in something like this. We can pick and choose. We could actually pick and choose and read the stuff that we want to read, or at least that we yeah. hear is pretty good. But in this in this episode tonight, we're going to end up doing three books. That may change. We may expand it. We may, you know, make a different format or whatever. Because I would like to start reading more. And just as a an aside, these are all number one, so this is easy for everybody to jump in, including us, since we decided to do this two days ago. So it's not like we're going to end up, but we will start doing stuff, continuing some series that we like and things like that. Uh, you ended up, I ended up setting up a deal and a file deal that we're going through these books. And I, all I was doing was putting some things in this folder. Next thing I know, you send me the, I, I read all of them. I'm ready. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have not read any of these yet. We better figure out what we're doing. Uh, but I think we picked three books that, whether or not they're the greatest of books, they actually, in my mind, what I like about it is they give you something that you normally don't get at the big two 
in in these books. And that's kind of what I want to go into doing yeah. some indie stuff. I think, I think the biggest thing for me, what I love about indies and the, the books that we're going to be reviewing is that neither you nor I, we, we, we don't have any preconceptions about these characters. And so for nope. once, for once, I'm, I'm not reviewing a DC comic and saying this character's out of whack, that this writer doesn't understand this or that. This is genuinely the writers are starting fresh. They have our, we have, we, we're going in with fresh minds. We're, we're capable of being molded here. And why we, we, we do have some, maybe some preconceptions of uh, Liam Sharp, Ed Brisson, and uh, uh, I'm not sure who yes, the other uh, writer is. Peter Milligan. I Peter Milligan, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we might have some preconceptions as them as writers, but we're going in cold and like brand new with, with these, these new universes that they're setting up. And so I'm actually excited uh, to get into it and uh, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. And it's funny, the thing you mentioned is exactly one of the big things that when I was thinking about it and kind of thinking, well, what am I going to say in an intro or things like that? And you hit it right on the head. The idea that you go into these indie things, and that's maybe the, the concept that I said, things get stale. You end up where at points you do have Batman, but Batman's Batman. And unfortunately, you get to a point where you've seen a ton of Batman. But if somebody tries to do something different, sometimes they try to do it in a wacky way. So that so you're right. When you go into these, we don't know anything about these characters. and unfortunately especially at DC, but Marvel as well. They don't, they, they don't want to, you know, risk coming up with all these new characters. They have the characters. I mean, DC, Batman is, you know, the king. You're not going to get a ton of new characters. And that's what I like about this. We're <laughs> going to talk about three books that every character in these are new to us in the comics. And that's pretty cool. One of the other things, and eventually I'll probably try and force you to mix in some manga into this as well. <laughs> And you'll see that once you start reading it, you know, right to left, that's the big deal. But you'll see, again, that the big thing about that, so self-contained in each book and each thing, it's its own universe. You don't have to even care about anything. And that's another thing about it. We have number ones, but we don't have to know anything about anything. These are brand new universes, brand new things going on. That is exciting. And, and I am very excited about that. And at one point I had tried doing an indie podcast, just a little side thing, just on my own. It's not as fun on my own. So I'm glad that you decided to do it with me. That's uh, cool. And I can rely on you when I get, you know, pretty confused by the end of this podcast or video where uh, we talk about Starhenge. Because there was a part where I, I really started struggling. But I thought to myself, Rocky's going to be there. He's going to give me the crutch to get through this. And I, I figured you said you like these. So I'm like, all right, he's positive. Oh. I'm pretty positive about these, but uh, I, was, I was having problems. And uh, I, I got some negative comments on some of them there. So, I mean, hey, man, uh, I think both of us are entitled to a good rant once in a while. I know you're oh, yeah. very good at it. And uh, when I get going, I can I can have a good rant, too. So, hey, just because I'm going we're going in with no preconceptions doesn't mean we can't bitch one and complain. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I will. I probably will by the end of this. But I, I think that it, I'm so excited about it. It'll be to a bit of a minimum. <laughs> this deal, but I'm sure that I will find something to bitch and moan about before. Plus, I mean, not that everybody knows you're you're drunk right now, well, so that will add to the fun well, as it's, well. So, it's Corona yeah. Extra. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yes, you ended up. We were trying to get like again. This is on the seat of our pants here. We had nothing <laughs> set up. We didn't even know the original software we were going to use didn't work. So yeah. then you said to me like. Oh God, I picked the wrong time to get drunk. I'm like, oh, maybe you picked the right time. We shall see. But we can kick off into this if you want. And we'll, we yeah. have three books, as we said. We have Absolution, number one. 
there's something wrong with Patrick Todd, number one, and then Starhenge, the dragon, and the boar, number one. But we will start with what? Uh, we're going to start with Absolution. This is an uh, AW, uh, AWA Upshot comic book, uh, which uh, you indicated you've not read it, uh, an, an AWA no, comic book all. yet. And uh, we'll see if this is to your liking. It's, uh, of course, this was uh, when a Axel Alonso left Marvel uh, as uh, uh, mm -hmm. editor-in-chief there. He... Uh, he ultimately founded AWA, and uh, he's had a lot of interesting titles. I've read a lot of a lot of them, but this one, uh, I'm, I'm, this was an interesting one. Uh, Peter Mulligan is the writer, as he indicated. Uh, Mike Diodato Jr. is really great on the art, and Lee Lowridge on the, uh, uh, I believe he does the, does the, does he does the lettering or the, he's colors, isn't he? I think he's colors. Yeah, yeah. he's colors, right? And uh, Steve Wands, I guess, on the covers as well, and. Uh, yeah, I uh, this art here was fantastic. I I thought this was uh, this was interesting. It was uh, not my favorite AWA comic, but uh, you can. Uh, what's what's your first impressions? My first impressions. I did like the art. I, I did <laughs> like it. It's and I liked where they played in a weird way. You have a panel layout that actually isn't really a panel layout at points. Sometimes it's just a scene where you will divide the actual art into six panels, but it's just that deal. But it makes it look pretty cool. My biggest impression of this is as I get into it, we're learning about this woman. You're getting flashbacks. And I get that the idea that this involves the Internet and the idea of people in chat rooms actually at first annoyed me. And this is something that I think because it's more of an indie deal, you get a little better because in those where we have this in a bunch of comics, we've had it at Marvel, DC all the time. And it, even in like the Booster Gold Blue Beetle book that we just had, the Blue and Gold book that by Dan Jurgens, he tried to do something like this. The problem is at a main two, you can't make it realistic. You can't have somebody in this chat room being a complete asshole. <laughs> this you can. And that actually made me like it a teeny bit more. I, I don't like the idea, but it fits. And as you're going through, I think you're supposed to maybe be annoyed at one point, but then you kind of come around to it. But there's cursing in it. They are yelling to, hey, let's see your tits, baby. I mean, it's bad at points, <laughs> but it's supposed to be. It's supposed sure. to show you that people are awful. My big play here, though, isn't really this ends up being almost like an internet hunger game suicide squad thing is how I would think of it. It's the idea that you end up having to go do these missions. They're filmed, but then you go by audience reactions. So you have to do kills and things like that. And I like the concept. I just wonder how does that fit in with the rest of the world? Is everybody aware of this? And even in there, the guy that you have our main character go to kill, he's aware of it as well. And I thought that right away that seemed to be I don't know. It didn't seem to be as good a concept if everybody's aware of this and, and what's going on. I, w I wish it was a little more covert and whatnot. But I think that you get a pretty cool idea of the character and you see, you know, the idea at the beginning of this, it's the, you know, government or at least whoever's setting this up and makes her into a cybernetic deal because she was, you know, she broke the law. Like, I really want to know more of what is the villain, who's involved, and stuff like that overall. But I did like it. I just, again, by the end, it's the whole idea of absolution. You have to get this rating, and you do see that it seems like if you 
if you win, you become, you know, a, a anchor on Sports Center. It looks like with one of the guys who looks just like Woody Harrelson and yeah. the other guy at points looks like Kobe Bryant. I'm like, yeah. all right. But I did like it. It's just and you get the over the top violence that you would expect in some of these as well. It's just that by the end, I kind of ended up. In, and by the way, also, if you look at points, I think that the bad guy that she's going to get looks a lot like George Steinbrenner as well. But that's the, you could go with the old <laughs> deal. But you go uh, through this, and by the end, I don't know that I'm invested in the character as much as maybe I'd want to be by the end of an issue to kind of carry on with it because of the idea. You're kind of left wondering what's going on. You're a little off balance through it. But uh, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I got sort of a Arnold Schwarzenegger running man vibe to it. It does have that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, here's I mean, the, the setup here is this, this Nina Ryan. She's a she's an assassin. And and it would, uh, you know. She she has 158 kills to her name, but she ends up being set up by one of her initial original mob mobster employee uh, employers, and she ends up getting arrested. And rather than being put to death, uh, she they discover something. They discover uh, something in her brain, or uh, uh, some sort of like a couple of lesions in her brain that they believe uh, could explain her. Uh, her social, her her, her, yeah, her, yeah. her her inclination toward crime, and so uh, they show this this future world is kind of interesting because it almost shows compassion to the criminal, but uh, rather than killing her, uh, they they basically put her on this TV network that's hosted by these three three people that are sort of dissecting her, and and as she basically they send her on these missions to try to obtain some type of literally some absolution, absolution. you know, try yeah. to redeem yourself. And what I find what I find I just sort of laugh because this is this is actually playing out really. It's I mean really. We we have video games like this in so yep. many ways. I mean, guys on playing video games saying obscene things to each other and being uh, misog misogynistic oh, yeah. to female players, and uh, so there's some real life analogies here and metaphors that you can draw. And I've I've said this repeatedly uh, when I review DC. I'm a sucker for a good metaphor, uh, and uh, but. There's, there, I feel there's something a little, there's something missing here, there and I, I'm not because this isn't really grabbing me the way that it it, it should. I she's, I think a uh, 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 writer here uh, is it uh, Ed, uh, yeah, who's, Peter Milligan. Thank you, Peter Milligan. Yep. He's uh, there's. It's a, it's a little bit tropey to me. It's a little bit kind of predictable. All right, so she's the whole world is watching this female assassin, and it's funny. She's even making sure that her ass looks good, and oh, she's, yeah, yeah. she she's hopes that her panty line yeah. shows. And <laughs> I'm telling you, she's like okay, like a Black Widow. She used to like jump down like this with my butt in the air. They they yeah. do play with that because that ups your score, even at a point where she tries to show a little compassion, and that lowers her score because people don't want that. I like that play. Yeah. My biggest problem with this, though, is, as you were saying, it seems like like Running Man is a great example. And I love Running Man. But the thing with Running Man is you have a contained contest, you know, in the underground of Los Angeles and they're betting on it. Everybody's watching it, but it's not happening out and about. And the thing that worries me about this is if you think that you're a bad guy or whatever, why wouldn't you have somebody constantly monitoring this thing? And oh, my God, they're coming for you, boss. And this guy, <laughs> even at the end, he realizes that he's like. I knew you were coming here. He knows all about what the absolution is. I thought it was a play that was a little too quick by this as we're trying to figure out what's happening. I actually thought that by the end we were going to glitch out and this was all going to be a virtual reality type deal, even that the rest of the world wasn't aware maybe with the deal. But you did say that they have the compassion 
for somebody who has some lesions that end up, you know, probably on the frontal lobe causing her anger and all that. But if you didn't have that, I do like the play in where they actually have, you know, they'll put you to sleep. They'll end up killing you by giving you an injection. But there's the it's a long and pain like one like eh, that one takes like they get the bad one. Two days it takes, you know, it takes yeah. a while uh, for them to kill. So they do end up being a little barbaric, but they do have a little sensitivity. But that sets up into the deal. And I do like the deal where you're getting little bits of the things like as she's remembering getting cybernetics put in her. And now we see, I mean, as you go through, it doesn't have to really hold your hand. You see that she has cameras in her eyes. You see that she does these things all set up with this, you know, point of view, the heads up display, and you see them putting them in. So that's pretty, you know, that's not the greatest thing that happened, but she needed to do that. But I do like, like I said, when she does try to say, says these two girls, you just go, you know, run, we don't need you. And, oh, I don't need that. And there are jerks who are just, you know, pressing the down vote button. And that could <laughs> cause her if you go too far down, you're done. If you end up going to the top and get absolution, then like the Suicide Squad, you are kind of let free. Or at least it seems like you'll be, what? like I said, an anchor on Sports Center, whatever the case may be. But I even like that, that you go to that and they're giving their commentary as if this is just a sport. And I do like it. But like you said, by the end. Maybe the play is, is that we're watching this as if, you know, OK, we're there on TV. And I, I had that like disconnect almost like that. Like, OK, I'm watching my show here. I do this and be like America's got talent. And at the end, you're just like, oh, that was cool. But then you forget about the things. And that by the end, I really didn't have the connection, whether it was that Nina isn't a great character. They're bad people. But I didn't feel like she was like a piece of crap. But I just I yeah. didn't get that connection. I, I well, think you're right. There, there's that weird disconnect by well, the end. Yeah. And here's here's where I think it, a connection can exist that piques my interest if Peter Mulligan builds on it in subsequent issues. And that is that I found it very interesting that the irony is that they arrest this uh, Nina, uh, mm-hmm. they arrest her and then they they fix the lesions in her brain. And suddenly she actually feels better. She doesn't have the nerves yeah. in her head anymore. She actually, she actually doesn't have as much an inclination to kill or an enjoy killing as much as she did in the past. And so the irony is, is that if they would just leave her alone, she'd probably <laughs> be, she'd yeah. be fine. But they and send it off the to point. kill again. <laughs> and now she has to, like, here's the weird play. And this is the layers, I think. The idea where normally she would probably have to pretend to be a normal, like, She's there a killer. And probably when she goes to buy groceries, somebody says, hey, what's going on? She has to pretend to be normal to them. They fix her. Now she's in a world and a contest that she has to be what she was before. Now she kind of has to pretend to be that. So it's that reversal because she even says at points like, I know what I'm supposed to do here. I know. And at the beginning, even when she gets to this, you know, she's going to take out this bad guy. So she gets there and she grabs the one guy she goes okay this guy he's a piece of crap trafficker all this nonsense but he doesn't like smoking in his deal so i'll wait you'll get one of the guards they come out and she just grabs and throws him off of the building and the funny play of that is we've (laughs) seen that in tons of movies and peter milligan plays that so the people are like yeah that's lame and they even go to the commentators they're like yeah that's a pretty lame deal we've seen this before whatever and then she realizes at the one point i have to pretend and when she does, they see through that as well. The end of the commentaries. Oh, that's all, you know, her trying to do this. That didn't feel real. It wasn't inspired. And I do like the way that Peter Milligan even goes like the one guy who looks like Kobe Bryant. 
where he's like, man, when I did this one big job of mine, <laughs> remember that I did that move and I did that. Like people are known for awful things in this. And I am intrigued and I think it was fun to read. It just ended up where by the end, I'm like, is this like a, a one shot for me? I mean, am I going to continue? And I picked this because I had heard so many good things about AWA, which really thinks that it reminds me of a wrestling type deal anytime I say it. But you end up, I want to read more and I picked this, but I'm, I'm not going to let this like, oh, they're all like this or whatnot. But I was I wasn't disappointed. But I was kind of like, well, I thought that this would grab me a little more by the end. I do like, you know, the, the creation of the character. You get a background, you even get, uh, you know, a history and an origin type deal in this one issue. So that's good. But by the end, like you said, it's, you know, do I need to keep reading it? And it didn't really grab me. It wasn't something that I was like, holy crap, I need to keep going. Even with the others that we're going to talk about, even if I didn't like them, whatnot. I still had something that I wanted to like, oh, I got to see how that is. The next book has a, a mystery in it that me and you were even talking about, even though there's problems with the issue. But it really kind of made me, OK, I want to keep reading this. This kind of ended up like, well, I kind of went into that world a little. Maybe I will be back. Maybe I won't. I don't know if you felt the same, but that's yeah. kind of how I ended it. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed like this is again, I feel it's a little bit kind of predictable, uh, this particular story absolution, but, uh, it's the nature versus nurture. Is she evil mm -hmm. because of the lesions? Can she be, is she now cured? Is, is, is being evil a choice? Is there, isn't it? Those are all interesting esoteric questions, but it has to be grounded in a story and it's not quite there yet for me. Yeah. And plus, as you said, there's, there's some, there's, I find it really odd. Like what kind of legal system on the one hand, yeah. it's, a great, it's a great legal system that it, it cures potential criminals from having criminal tendencies. But then but then you're selling you're, you're sending them out to kill fat, rich billionaires and skyscrapers. That seems a little bit off to me. And then yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that illegal? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's the play here. That's why I thought yeah. at the end, like it was going to be one of those they're like cut. And like maybe the play was going to be that she thinks this is real even. But the way the yeah. cybernetics and went with that, like it's not. And but they're having their fun. They get their, you know, gladiatorial combat. But they, but it's not like that. It ends up seemingly on the deal. So, yeah, where is this standing in? OK, you were bad because you killed people. But we're going to do an entertainment TV show where you kill people. But you do this and it's for that. It's weird. It, it ends up like if you if you think into it, it is a little you know, tropey and doesn't really make much sense by the deal. But that may be one of the mysteries. Maybe that's one of the things we're supposed to see. But it doesn't seem like that's it. It seems like the idea where she's going to want to get revenge. She's going to want to go. And and eventually, I'm sure she's going to revolt against the idea of it wasn't my fault. You told me that I wasn't bad. So why am I being forced to do bad things after you fix that? Like, even if they ended up where Maybe a little twist would have been, listen, the legions that you have here in your brain, they're causing you to do this. We will take them out if you get absolution. That might have been better because then she still would have been. And then they're really evil, like they're taking advantage of that. But <laughs> not quite that. But what would you give it? Oh, man, I would. Uh... I, I was, I was, I thought this was a little bit predictable. Uh, uh, it hasn't quite grabbed me. I'd, I'd, I'd give it a solid six out of ten. Okay, I'm giving it a six five, Give it, and that's because of the art. I do like the art, and I think it is funny. I'm telling you, even with the idea where I'm reading this, and at first the one guy I thought like, oh, that looks like Jesse Ventura. Then I go and I'm like, oh no no, 
that's not Jesse Ventura. It's this like they keep changing. But I did like I, I got a chuckle out of the characters. And I do like I think that what saved me were those guys back at the studio just like talking how they're like, yeah, I remember this. And ooh, you should have done that. Like it's so nonchalant. But that reminds me fully of something that would be a running man, which, like I said, I love running man. So, yeah, once you said that, it kind of got me going. But we'll go to the next book, which is what? Uh, the next one we have is, uh, I, I believe it is, is it, are we doing Patrick Todd or? Yeah, with the Patrick Todd, th this might be one go. of the worst titles ever. I can never remember this title. <laughs> tell you. I want to just call it, there's something wrong or then, Pat, but it's, it's, there's something wrong with Patrick Todd is what we're doing. But you give me the credits and then I'm going to read the solicit for this one. All right, sorry, just kind of getting set up here. I'm all right. Yeah, okay, yeah, the credits for this, it's uh, uh, Ed Brisson is the writer and Gavin, Go G Gavin Goodry is the artist. And uh, interestingly enough, I'm not, I don't think I've ever, I'm familiar with Gavin Goodry as on no. the art, but I, di I didn't mind it here. But Yeah, I thought the art was pretty good. And it's Aftershock Comics, which, I've read a couple Aftershock things. They're pretty good. And here's the deal. I'll, I'll read this intro because when we get to the end, there's even a little play of what the next issue is. And this reminds me a lot of something else that I'll say in a minute. But it says 15-year-old Patrick Todd lives on the run, hiding out in seedy motels, living out of his backpack and making sure that his mom, recently struck down by a mysterious illness of the mind, is well cared for. But doctors cost money, a lot of money. And so Patrick turns to a life of crime. Using the telepathic abilities he's been hiding all his life, he forces the worst of the worst to rob banks, taking the money before making them turn themselves into the police. But someone has taken notice of Patrick's schemes. A reckoning is coming. Will the police find Patrick in time to save him, or will he become yet another victim of the killer called Zeus? Now, with that, that explains a lot more than uh, bits that you're getting in this issue. At points, this issue is a little disjointed. I like the concept, but the problem I have, and it's funny, as we were talking about Absolution, I realized that is there a likable character in anything we're going to talk about <laughs> in this podcast? Like, nobody's really a really likable, maybe a bit in the star hands, maybe, but even so. But these first two, there's not a likable character, really. They're bad people doing things. But the solicit of this spells out that Patrick Todd you know, it's just a normal kid who's hid these powers. You don't quite get that. Now, we may get that down the line, in it, but I think that the problem I have with this right away is I wish that we saw this Patrick Todd before the bad stuff happened. Is he a good kid? Was he a, a, a nice kid? Did he get along with his mom? Where is his dad? I know that those are the mysteries that me and you talked about, but I can't quite grip if I'm supposed to root for Patrick or not because I don't know if normally... In the best of circumstances, he's a good or bad kid. What this reminds me of and what I'll force you to read is Death Note. You end up having <laughs> the manga Death Note where a kid who's kind of a sociopath, but he's doing good. He's a great student. He ends up getting a book where you write names. I'll give you the, you know, 10 cent tour. He can write names in a book and these people die. So at the beginning, he figures, OK, what I'm going to do is make the world better by only putting bad people's names in it. Oh, that guy was on, you know, death row. I'll put his name. He dies now. Oh, I he see this guy. He ended up doing this bad thing. I do it. But the play here is where do you draw the line? What do you do here? And what you have Patrick doing 
which isn't spelled out in the beginning, kind of. And even when you get this guy at the beginning who's robbing a bank, you get such a throwaway line of this guy being a really bad guy. So when you have Patrick, he needs money for his mom to be in a mental hospital, not a mental hospital, just a hospital. She has some sort of illness. Something went wrong. Me and you both kind of, you know, hypothesize that he did it, that the idea Patrick might have did the whammy on him since it's this mind control. But he goes and gets bad people to do, you know, rob banks so he can get the money. And he's done it before. And I like the play where Ed Brisson does that, where this guy goes in and he makes him look creepy. I mean, this guy definitely at points has candy and he's in a, a white van riding around town. And they even say that he went online posing as a kid. I like that Ed Brisson, he doesn't get to get too much into that. But this guy, he's a pedophile, it seems. So he ends up getting this guy. <laughs> guy goes, robs the bank. He's really big on the idea. That, I hope there's no die pack in that, but gets two bags because that's the thing they say in this. And that's the clever play. They only will put one die, but they have the die in one. And that all, you see that Patrick has done this before. And he also needs the money you don't know, but he uses it for a, a nice thing, I guess, to keep his mom in a hospital because he wants them to fix her, but they're not really doing well. And so through this, you have to kind of like, okay, what's going on? And when this guy comes out, he gets the one, you know, pack, the, the die pack gets on him. And then he comes out. You think they're in cahoots, but then you realize, oh, this guy was mind controlled. And Pat, yeah. you go to the, the police, turn yourself in and you forget who I am. That causes some problems, but that's the thing. You're already going over by the end of this issue. He's kind of crossed the line a bit. This isn't just like, hey, go and like, maybe he goes and this guy's an awful guy and he says, go and take out all the money from, the, you know, your bank account. Yet then I'm like, okay, he's, but he's, he's starting already and we're just starting. I needed to have some sort of basis of he's a good kid. He loves his mom. And let's go from there and see as it progresses how he goes over the line, how he has to decide what's right, what's wrong. He obviously has an issue where he's only doing it with bad people. So he has that little thing in his head. I don't want to cause good people harm. So I'll do the bad people. But how does he even get involved with that? How does he find it? I want to know. But with it, it, again, there's just a little bit. This intrigues me enough to keep going. But there's a little bit that kind of throws me off where you're almost setting it up at the beginning to not like this kid right away. And I, I don't know why you would do that. But uh, what, how about you? Well, I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a little bit of an odd play. I, I guess they got to make this kid a 15 year old kid because I, uh, I, for some reason, and maybe, maybe uh, I'm going to sound really egotistical when I, when I say <laughs> this, but I, uh, I'm pretty sure I was smarter than this kid when I was 15. Cause I would have thought of much more clever ways to yeah. use my powers than, than get other people to rob a bank. I mean, why not have a guy, why not go up to a rich old guy and have him uh, pretend to love my, my, my mother and yeah. transfer a million dollars in the account and then hire, have him hire a lawyer to make it bulletproof legally. And yeah. just, you know, I mean, why rob a bank? It just seems like a very odd play like almost you know this kid maybe i mean in fairness maybe this kid isn't just that and maybe not not that intelligent but it seems to me that he's 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 clearly what, what's what i find so fascinating about this and where i well i'll give uh uh, uh ed Br brisson some credit here is that I, I like the fact that it ends up near the end here that a, a couple of guys i mean clearly at least two henchmen are aware of what 
uh, of what Patrick Todd yeah. has been doing. So obviously he's he has screwed up somewhere. Somebody is, knows what he's doing. And in addition to this Zeus character that's that clearly is psychopathic and <laughs> yeah, cuts off yeah. six heads and is crazy. I mean, yeah. it, it, it. What I like about it is there's hints here that this Glenn Plotnikoff. I, I love that name, Plotnikoff. This yeah. Glenn Plotnikoff at the beginning, he he actually kind of remembered being told when he was interviewed yeah. by Detective Anderson. He actually. He was told not to remember. Patrick Todd told him, forget you, you met me, forget our conversation. But what's 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 telling to me is Glenn actually remembered vaguely his conversation with Patrick, which tells me that Patrick's powers are not as powerful as he thinks. Yeah, he thinks I, they're more. I, yeah. I agree. And 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 then following that, this Glenn Plodnikoff dies of a brain aneurysm. So I'm wondering if this to Patrick Todd, I mean, something is definitely wrong with Patrick yeah. Todd. And then he doesn't even know the extent of how he screwed up. And when you throw in, uh, you know, already what I, I feel that I hate to say this, and this is both a simultaneous compliment and, and maybe an underhanded criticism when i say that i think i kind of got it figured out already <laughs> yeah. because I, I i'm pretty sure that i have a feeling that some of the people that he's used and set up actually ended up remembering him and they told and then from jail told their friends about him and their, their friends have been spying on patrick todd and then and then they'll rob and they rob patrick todd and they got a perfect cover because patrick todd's not going to tell the police that he got yeah, robbed he can't. Yeah. yeah how is he going to go to the police because yeah that's almost like you know being a drug dealer you, you oh my god you stole my meth i'm going to the police <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't do it now i will say one thing i think that maybe patrick todd maybe he's not dumb but he is canadian <laughs> hey come on hey i was gonna point out this is in halifax couple yeah. of things that may be significant this is in halifax nova scotia and zeus the bad guy the, the crazy guy is in chester nova scotia which i googled it is 51 kilometers is 51 is a 51 minute drive from okay. halifax so yeah. and also and i think this might this is such an odd thing i noticed this this story takes place in june of 2010 2010 like why, why? that that's right? a curious that's choice. Odd. It is. It's very odd. Now, yeah. I, one of the things I wanted to read the solicit for as well that I don't quite get, and I think that there's a weird play here, is that it does say that he's like on the run. He ends up having to go. But how far does he get? He, his mom's in a hospital. You know what I mean? You can't get too far away. Now, he says, you know, maybe I can find this other place. But that's not because things have gone bad. It's because he wants better care or he thinks people know things. But that idea, even in this where, you know, there's Halifax, he's going around. But eventually, if this is him just like, OK, my dad, he keeps telling everybody, hey, my dad is supposed to be here, but he isn't even giving the cash from the robbery. Because one of the plays, and like you said, the smart play would be to figure out a way to use your powers to get more money. He even ends up realizing or counting on the fact that this guy is going to rob the bank. They're only going to get half the money, but he only needs half. And I think that the play here, it doesn't it plays out two ways. I think Ed Brisson wants you to think, OK, Patrick Todd isn't that bad. He's not stealing more than he needs. He's just. But that doesn't work out well, especially with a young kid like that and somebody who. You could go like you could just go up to the a rich guy and say, you know, take out some money, forget about this. Boom. And that might work. You know, the guy doesn't remember. But then you might be embarrassed, not say I don't know. But there's other ways to do this than to get. But there's also that play where he wants to get bad people. Or is that that he wants to help by getting them, you know, arrested? Or is it 
he just needs somebody to do this, so I better get bad people. It seems more the latter, which doesn't make him as altruistic as you might want. You know, he's not out to get this guy arrested. This guy is just his pawn to use. And then when he gets somebody asked to get arrested, he does. But yeah, and like you said, it's weird right off the bat that they remember some things. And I think, again, the way that this starts, it's kind of a cool deal. It starts, you know, cold open, really. And mm. But I needed, it's almost like I needed something a little bit before just to see how things were and what he's up to. Is he smart? Is he dumb? Again, you ended up having, and I compared to Death Note, you end up really being told right away that the kid who gets this Death Note, he's bored because he's one of the smartest kids in Japan. So you set that up, boom, one page, you're out. Okay, he's really smart. And what he does is he's trying to go back and forth where this is set up, where you might have this little cat and mouse game with the detective, very similar as well. Uh, But in the Death Note, you got the guy Light, who's the big guy of it. He wants to be known. He wants to be, you know, he's proud of doing what he's doing. He thinks he's making a better world. In this, it just seems... You know, that Patrick Todd's just trying to help his mom. But again, he goes to talk to her. He goes to the hospital. He has to pay. She's there. But they're not really able to do anything. He even tries to use his mind control to make her say something. And that's a weird play, too, because whether or not she's physical capable, you know, if you if she can't physically talk, that'd be a thing. But he can't even get in her mind to make her just say hello or anything. And it frustrates him. But, yeah, I think that you're right when me and you were talking about the other thing where he does. It feels like he feels guilty. Like this is a thing where he loves his mom. Maybe at one point because he was hiding the power. She just told him he had to go to bed. No supper for you. And he's like, I wish that you would never talk. like boom. And yeah. she got whammied and can't come back from it. And then maybe me. I'm telling you, I'm making up things in my head. Yeah. But maybe that's the case where. Unfortunately, the mom, he went all out. Maybe that's what's going on with these other people. He's too afraid to go all out again. I don't know, because we, this is all, you know, hypothesis, making it up. But I was intrigued. And you said it when these guys show up and know that he has robbed the banks. That's crazy. And that's big. And like you said, I think that he isn't as powerful. He's not using the power as much as he thinks he is. And people know. And these guys show up. And they start, you know, looks like they're beating the crap at them with bats and this. They have wrenches, the biggest wrench I've ever seen. They must be yeah. working on a submarine with that thing. Look at it. And that, so when yeah. that goes on, I like the progression, but you do kind of ruin it by going Chester, Nova Scotia, because you even look like, <laughs> oh, is that him laying there? Is he hurt? But it's not. You're going to another town. Well, what's really jarring to me, uh, because uh, it, this would be, frankly, this would be a compelling and good story, even without Zeus. I, Zeus is a wild deal. card and <laughs> he is a massive wild card because this guy's insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's that final page reveal with him holding a bag full of six decapitated heads <laughs> and he's got this stupid looking where? headset on his he- on his head. Like, where in the hell did this guy come from? And what the hell yeah. does he have to do with the story? Like, I mean, it's it's I mean, that thing on his head. I, I don't even know. And so with that, like you said. I like the idea that because all through this, you do have a detective and he's on the case. Okay, we got another one. Bunch of people are showing up. They've committed bank robbery. They end up not remembering anything. Oh, my God, I can't. So it's very it's starting to make a pattern. And that combined with these guys that look like these, you know, I heard about you. We're going to get the money. We're going (laughs) to. That's enough for me. I mean, that's enough, I think, for a couple arcs where you do have this Patrick. 
and he's trying he's trying you want to at that level you want him to succeed a bit because of his mom but maybe not you don't get enough of the mom i mean i wish we got something a little more like he remembers how she used to be oh she was so nice she was making me there's a couple little things missing but when you get zeus who's there with a clear bag with a bunch of heads in it i'm like what happened like this went too far i don't understand like almost oh my god this is an indie book we better get violent and it's really violent i mean over the top and i don't get that play because the other things were intriguing that really throws you by the end that's all you think of oh my god look at him with all those heads in the duffel bag that joe pesci movie i'm just like what's going on but uh yeah i i like the art enough and i like the story set up, I just wish it was set up a little bit more. And I wish that I kind of cared more for Patrick and his plight with his mom. I wish I knew more of maybe what he was like before. I said it a million times, but that's that's my biggest problem with it. And then Zeus at the end just threw me off. But what would you yeah. give it? Uh, well, I'm still intrigued enough. Thanks to Zeus. I'm, I like the art and it's, it's Zeus is such a massive wild card to me. And oh I'm wondering God. is maybe, maybe Patrick Todd is not only responsible for the mental, uh, destruction of his mother's mind, but maybe he's indirectly responsible for Zeus's maybe. psychosis. Who knows? Maybe, you know, who knows this can go in all kinds of very interesting directions, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of getting, getting my hopes too damn high, but, uh, Ed Brisson has written another, uh, series, uh, for ADW called, uh, Devil's Highway that I quite liked. Okay. And so I'm, okay. I'm prepared to give him the, the benefit of the doubt on this one. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give us a, a solid eight on this one. Cause just because of Zeus. Yeah, the weird play, too, is uh, just to mention he's in. Now, you have these guys who come in and they bust in the room and they start going after Patrick. Then you have this guy, Zeus, where he's in this place where he's decapitated people and he goes to a board that has all the yarn as if, you know, this would have been where that detective is, some other people. And there is a picture of Patrick that he goes and says, mm -hmm. Zeus finds you, Zeus kills you. The weird play and I was thinking, I was going to ask you, what color hair do you think Zeus has? Because it looks like he has red hair. And then I'm thinking like, and I, I, it doesn't even say, or you can't even really tell, but I'm like, what happened if that's his dad? What happened if they're like, hey, buddy, yeah. your dad Zeus is, and that's, he's the one. But it doesn't make sense then when he grabs, even though he just says, Zeus finds you, Zeus kills you, hiding. It is weird. Like, what is that? And what were these people doing? It looks like they were all sitting around with this, you know, the detective wall up there with the yarn and all that, the classic trope there. But in the middle of it was Patrick Todd. So it's crazy. It's such a weird way to like, you want to know like, what the heck is the Zeus guy? I mean, but it says at the end, it says in the next up. And I said, I would read Patrick crosses lines. He promised never to cross hurting innocent people in the press. I don't know what lines he promised. Not That's my point. And when I ended up finishing this and I read this coming up next, and that that sentence kind of ended up irritating me a little because I don't know what lines he's going to cross. I don't know what he will do, won't do, because then it says to make matters worse, both the machete wielding maniac Zeus yeah. and Detective Brad Anderson, which is funny because of I think the colorist deal is how I remembered him, are closing in on him. And uh yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's just odd what lines he promised. Yeah, well, it's funny. I think I think he's telling himself that the lines he won't cross is that he won't use his powers against innocent people. Against innocent people. You know, or unless it's to protect people. his mom, because everything he's done is to protect his mom, even when yeah. he mind controlled the innocent hotel owner there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's getting he suspicious. That, but he but... doesn't hurt them. He just wants to, like you said, 
everything leads back to helping his mom. I just wish that we would have seen, you know, the start of this, maybe while he was trying not to use his power. Maybe he hurt somebody as a real little kid as well and then decided not to show it or knows what happens if you are somebody with powers like this, that you would end up being, you know, taken away from your mom and things like that. But it's intriguing, though. It is. It's a decent start. But again, I think that anybody who has read some Death Note, I do think that you'll see that pattern. But again, if you're going to mimic something, mimic something great. And Death Note is incredible. So I hope that it gets, you know, half as good as Death Note. And I'm in. Uh, I'll really like it. But I think this is one that we probably would continue it just so the next issue comes out and we can find out what the hell is going on with this Zeus. Uh, but we're going to go to the last book, which is, it's a, it's a crazy book. It's, it's long, it's a little dense, but the art is so incredible that I can't even give it a bad score with it. Did we give a score for something's uh, wrong with Patrick Todd? I don't think we gave a uh, score. Yeah, I, I gave I gave it an eight. Okay. You gave it an eight. I, I think I'm going to go to the same. I'm going to go on eight. I was actually pretty intrigued by it. So, yeah. So here we go. This is the one where it's going to be one of those things. And this is the thing with a lot of stuff that, you know, I end up doing on the other podcasts or whatever. I'm just going to say right now, you look at this book. It's incredible. I mean, it's going to be hard to say this isn't good because you could just look at the pictures. And I'll even mention as we go, Liam Sharp actually impresses me more because he even does some art here that I think is a little against what he normally does at points. And I really liked it. I look at him as that organic, vegetative, like everything that we had that he had at DC and even, you know, some things. It's always that. And it has that in here as well. But he ends up doing some stuff in black and white and some pencil drawings that are incredible. So it's hard to say that this is bad. I just I think that it needed to be tightened up a bit. And it needed to be a little more clear because what happens by the end, even you told me what you did, it's intriguing. And it really brings up some really, really cool things where you start tying it into myths and King Arthur and stuff like that. But give us the credits and then we'll go. Uh, well, the credits are really easy. Yeah, they're easy. <laughs> it's Liam Sharp is doing Liam Sharp, Liam everything. Sharp. It's Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> on the baseball team. <laughs> and when you go in again, this is usually something I'm telling you. When I go in and I see all this narration and then. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. But I like the pacing of it until a point. I think that it might have been a couple pages too long for me. Me and you both have. We have we kind of have a different feel like we both obviously. And if you saw a video of me, I'm just we have attention problems and excitability (laughs) things. Right. But you end up you seem to have the one where you can't stop like you're all and you're going. My deal is I need to have constant you know, things going that I don't get bored with. I get bored very easily. My, I have inattentive ADHD is what it is. I don't have hyperactive. And so when I'm going, I need to keep that constant deal. And this by the end where I actually was shocked, I was, I was really liking it until about page 24. Not that it got bad there, but it started to grind on me. And it really like, well, I wish this was just a standard 21 pages. And I don't need too much of the future space stuff. I understand you don't have magic. You're going to send somebody back. I think that's great. And even tying it into the current deal, I thought it was really intriguing. I like the combo of sci-fi and magic. I think that that's a really cool deal. And when we were talking at the beginning about the idea of doing an indie deal, this really is something that I, I guess you could try to figure out a way to do this with some of the darker characters, but this seems to be something like, 
all right, I'm glad that we're doing this. We're learning this. I'm at the, you know, the step one doing, and I thought it was really cool. But when you go to the present stuff with the, the sepia color deal and the pencil, it's incredible. And that's something that I don't normally associate with Liam Sharp. And it really shocked me how good it is. And I, I want more of that. I'm telling you, I think that it looks great, but everything does too. But when you go into space, he does get a little bit like water, not watercolory, but it gets a little less detailed, all the things going on. It still looks great. It, I don't know if this makes sense, but it really feels very British, the whole thing, even without the King Arthur stuff. It feels yeah. like something that could be like, you know, that sort of deal with him. And he just ended up doing the Green Lanterns with Grant Morrison. I think Grant Morrison rubbed off completely on him to do this. Like Absolutely. maybe even maybe even through ideas past. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? Because it feels very Grant Morrison-esque at points, which yeah. some people will like that. Some people won't. But. What do you think? It's hard to describe what happens in it because it's so out there. But the basics of it is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, I have I have a solid five pages of uh, 25, (laughs) 25 lines have written on it. And so and uh, at least at least I have a fairly good handle on it. My here here was my concern about it, because I know that uh, uh, he absolutely is trying. I think what he's doing is he's trying He's trying to capture some of the edginess and the exposition of Bram V yeah. uh, and with the, with the uh, psychedelic nature of Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he can't avoid some of his own ha- narrative habits, which could potentially draw bring this narrative down, which I think we saw on full display in his Brave and the Bold Batman Bold, Wonder Woman. I actually right? thought of that the whole time. Yeah, Right. Because and the thing is, with the, that Brave and the Bold, his six or seven issues that 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 was a beautifully drawn story. But yeah. it, it could have been any character. It could have been Bat, it could have been Batman and Wonder Woman could have been replaced with any other character of the DC universe. And that story wouldn't have changed. But the, the advantage he has here is that these are genuinely new characters. Mm-hmm. And this is a subject matter of which, according to the interviews, he's extremely passionate about. This is his passion project. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I really love it. I, I did not, uh, I, I wasn't expecting this level of, uh, this is more organized than this is the most, this is the best he's written that, I, that I've like, this is definitely I agree with that I, I, brave, brave and the bold. I love the, 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 uh, the whole idea here of in, it starts off, you know, we start off in the future and humanity has made it to the stars. They've learned to, to travel far distances and they've met it. They've met, they managed to make it to a, a far off distant uh, planet, mm-hmm. but they end up entering this a, an artificial intelligence species, much like Skynet on this particular yep. planet. And it's, they're called the cast and they get into a war with humanity. But in the future, humanity has the Knights of Veld, which are powered by magic. And this, this AI doesn't know how to combat magic. Yep. And so the way, the way that they figure out the best way to defeat humanity is they go back into our Earth's past, and they essentially somehow destroy magic in the past, and they end up in the time of King Arthur. Uh, and so that's why this future character in the future, this Ur Queen, Ur Queen, which I think is meant to be Arthur, maybe yeah, a descendant yeah. of King Arthur, this Ur Queen is sending her son, this Wilt or Wild, who uh, Wilt is the first name of Merlin in in or in. Uh, Camelot lore. And so this Wilt character has got a lover named Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn. Yeah, you start to see the connections. Yeah, I mean, mean, and again, how this all connects, we're not sure. But and then we have this present day couple called uh, that of uh, Amber, who's really into witches and uh, and her boyfriend, Daryl. 
who is an she calls an old soul. So is he going to be like the King Arthur? Of the, uh, I, we're not sure, but some somehow this is going to be a time traveling epic. And what full props to Liam Sharp here. Uh, I this I have a feeling I'm going to get my money's worth here. I know once I bought the physical copy because I was gl- I was glued to this as I read it. When when this can be exposition heavy and I don't and I'm still reading and I'm interested in it. And granted, I read it knowing I was going to review it. I didn't want to sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was actually genuinely interested in reading this. And the art made me, uh, I mean, when I when you have exposition heavy on some pages, but I'm stopping and there's still enough, even with some of the exposition with a lot of the, you know, it's not even, it's not even that bad. Like he's, he's actually, if he's channeling his inner Ram V a little bit, I think yeah, he's, he's done a really good job here. I, thought, I, I think he's done a better job. Yeah, because what I get and again, I said that at a point I thought that it went a little too long. But when I'm saying that and I look just to look the deal, I see the page where it's only like three pages. I'm saying and just a little tighten up, because like I said, some of the concepts you do play around with this where he doesn't want to hold your hand. So he wants you to be excited where all of a sudden, oh, Gwendolyn, like these are the like the light bulb moments. But in that, as you read, believe me. You're probably going to need to read this twice. You really are. This is a very dense deal. But once you end up connecting, because my problem with Liam here is that idea where he wants to give some of the dialogue a little bit of a quirky character. You want to end up because of time travel and you wonder, okay, is this Amber telling the deal? You, You have a lot of questions by the end, but it's like, hey, I'm doing this. And then you have these little quirky, funny asides. And then you get to the deal. And and that kind of threw me off a little at first, even with the idea where he does tell the reader, listen, this does not make a lick of sense, but it will because this means something. And you'll see. And hopefully because this art is so good, hopefully people will say, "Okay, I kind of get a little gist of it. I'm in for the long haul. Like you said, I'm in for the ride because you are playing a lot of stuff that is kind of half told because it's time travel, because it's a steal. But once you start connecting the second time reading it, and I started connecting, like you said, the Skynet, hey, they're against the they're against the magic. So they go back in time to stop the magic. But in the meantime, the Earth Queen, she re- people don't even remember because it was stopped. It was ending up. It never existed. But the Earth Queen remembers she wants to get the magic back, sends her son. But like, that's really cool things. And it's not quite connecting yet to the present deal where you have these two characters, Amber and the other guy. But even then where she's like, I'm heading back to Britain. Maybe you can come and visit me on Halloween. So you see like little, little things that he didn't do before that I think he's learned where she just says, you know, hey, you can visit my parents. I want you to come. And he's like, oh, don't don't play that joke. And you kind of figure out through the oh, they're dead. You, you, don't, you don't need to like shove it in our face. And he's not. It's a weird play here. He's being very subtle with a lot of things that at points I want him to be a little more direct. But some of the other things, I think that it's cool. Plus, by the end, it does feel like you're on drugs at one point. Like things are just swirling around in there. But they're cool. Even when you end up having, you know, the Ur Queen's son and he's like that even has a bit of a feel of like a saga a bit like really quick on one page. But when you get to it and you said it. It is very heavy exposition. That is some, that's my Achilles heel, that and stairs. But you end up where I didn't mind it. I actually, this wasn't as bad. Like Ram V, 
He seems to take five pages and, and does a soliloquy about some guy opening a door. That's all that happens. He opens the door. <laughs> yeah. This actually, when I'm doing it, I'm, I have to keep on my toes. I'm here. I'm like, okay, that. And then you start and, and he does a good job of right when I thought that I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, wait, will it? Okay, that's that's Merlin. And oh, the Urqueen. I, I wonder if that means there's always something in that that ended up intriguing me enough like, Okay, I got to pay attention again. And let's go. Because at points you do get, it's funny, the art's so good. It, it does become a distraction at some points. But you really end up, and this is where, when you know the art's that good, it's one of those things, at least I do, because of the way I go. I read the page and then I go back and look at it again without reading. Like, look, oh my God, look at that. Because they're, they're there talking in the present about the devil and how the devil never had horns that was added with the iris deal and we're going to teach you your pagan gods are like all that but the art is incredible and that like i said those pages with the present deal is something that i haven't seen much of of liam doing that like usually it's that crazy like i said vegetation and all these things and and it works out for him and all that but boy this is he stepped yeah. it up yeah and, and I, yeah. It's, one the of the only thing that I say, can he keep a schedule? Like, do you think he's done now? Because how can he keep <laughs> a schedule like with this? Every He has to be like, OK, I'm going to wait till I'm done and then go with the way the deal is. But he said it's a passion project. He's really big on this and he's really pushing it. And he's getting a lot of big people behind him, like reading this and saying how great it is. So hopefully it does work out. But what were you going to say? Well, I, I noticed that. And and uh, and I would uh, people who pick this up, you you can judge for yourself, but uh, I noticed that, you know, at the beginning in some of the scenes, I find it very interesting that it almost looks like there, there, there seem to be like Zen, Zen diagrams or mathematical yeah. diagrams, uh, in the background and in the shading of these medieval, uh, epic scenes. And it's, I, it does a really good job of showing witchcraft and science, uh, basically on top of each other. And yeah. you could almost get a sense that there's a battle between the magic and the science and, yeah. and the time travel. And, you know, and I love the fact that the cast, uh, such a great concept at one point, he says here that these, this AI, this cast, just like we humans wear machines, like we have cars and we've got iPhones and we've got helmets and we've got all this technologically that we wear watches, et cetera. The cast actually wear humans. They wear yeah. our skulls, they wear our skin. And, and so, and, and so that's, it's very creepy and it, it adds it a horror creepy. element to it that works extremely well. There's a, there's a, one of my favorite pages and it's page seven of 36. It shows a skeleton and you see the flesh sort of it's coming right. The flesh sort of appears on the on the skull and and this human forms. And and I'm wondering if that's how the cast sort of travel back in time. And is that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm because what I love about this is while he gives us a lot of information in the exposition, he, he clearly is allowing his art to tell much more of the story that he's not telling us. And I yeah. really admire that. I like that because I think he's learning something uh, a, a little bit, you know, show, don't tell. And I think he's telling us just as much in his visuals as he is in the narrative. And that's why I'm so captivated by this, because I think there's Easter eggs in the pictures that my as brain. we learn more, when we look back, we're going to we're going to look back at the issue one and say, oh, my God, that's what that is. And yeah. so it's fascinating. I'm I'm looking at it's, it's like around page 11 or so uh, and I'm looking at it where you have the tarot cards and you have like a, the desk where you have this Amber's desk and you look 
and how well it's done. I mean, it looks photorealistic at points. And then you kind of have a cartoony deal here. This is a little shaded out. It kind of looks mystical, things like that. And even the thing where you're seeing the football play on the page before, that's not exactly realistic, but you get the flow and, and the deal of it. But boy, some of these things just end up like, holy crap, this looks so good. And that's like even like a desk drawer at one point. It's really well done. And like you said, with that, when he goes off and starts talking about, hey, you know, Einstein didn't take into account of magic. His things were right, but there's that extra added deal of it. But also when they're talking about, oh, you mean the devil, the horn dude. And you end up, like you said, where all of a sudden they're like <clears throat> transposed over a, a page of an ancient book. And you end up, it's so well done and so well, like it does end up telling the story with that. And usually art like this, I always think is too static. And too much of, okay, you have this script because they can't really show much of action going on. They'll have a static page and whatnot. These are more purposeful than some of that stuff that that end up. This actually gets you intrigued. And even when you have like little clues where you get this guy, he's superimposed over Spanish mission. Like, does that mean like what is what's going on? Does this mean something? Is it not? Is it? And I really liked it. I really did like it. I said, I wish that. Some of the things like you start to get a little more detailed about the, the future deal. And now there's genetic modifications. Things. Hopefully that plays out more in this. That felt like a little bit of a dis distraction, maybe at this point. But I'm sure it will play out as a bit. But it kind of I'm I was still kind of what is going on here? I don't even know what's happening. But by the end, you get a solid idea of the basics of this. And, and I give them credit for that because there's a lot of crazy stuff going, but the idea that we're going back in time to recreate magic through a pretty much, you know, let's fashion up a new Merlin. Let's get him back there. Let's get the magic going again. That's very intriguing to think of that as, Oh, you know what? Our King Arthur and Merlin myth actually comes from the future where they had to go back in time and get magic. Yeah. Like that is really cool. That is. And that's something that I enjoy a lot the way you know that might turn out we'll see and, what's happening and, with that and uh just i mean there's so much that we've i mean we've uh, i don't know how long we've been talking just on this one comic probably like 25 minutes already no. but w w there's so much we haven't talked about that's in yeah. this comic i mean even I the concept there there's three different like sort of like uh realms there's the terraveld which is the physical world the metaveld metaveld which is the thought vortices uh where and this is where the the urqueen uh, hid her thought yeah. and hid hid a secret message that that was protected by the change in time. So ma even though magic disappeared from history, it was still the memory of magic was still in yep. the Metaveld, and that's how she accessed it in order to be able to tell her son, who will become Merlin, to send him back in time. And that to, is and, cool because the son's confused, and I like the idea too because when he comes in, he even says to her, "Oh, you're you're slumming it with us now," and then because she <laughs> seems to stay. In the metaphor. So when she comes in and says, I need you to go back and get magic, magic, magic. What's that? But that's yeah. a cool play. It really. And and when you're talking about the realms and things, it feels so much like that's the Grant Morrison stuff where I'm like, oh, <laughs> my, we're going off the deep end. But it's 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 hard to grasp, but it's not. You end up if you give it the time and effort. I said you read it twice and you'll start picking up more things the second time. And really start to really enjoy it. Now you're at the end, you get the sun back and, you know, he's going to be Merlin. And that's very intriguing. 
to go forward with. And even then you're like, what's going on? Because I think that he runs into Alan Moore at the end. It looks just <laughs> like I'm like, Alan Moore's in this, holy moly. But even that, like the crazy transformation of this guy when he's in the water and the fish come like, it is crazy. It looks, it looks great. So yeah. a little wacky. Uh, and I'm seeing the page that I ended up, it was that one where you're going through the Ur Queen and the sun going back and forth between a picture, then the deal, you know, dialogue. It's not yeah. a ton of dialogue, but that was when I was like, ooh, like it started the first time. Afterwards, the second time I went through pretty quick. And a, and a thing that's very dense, very narration, every very, it's still not like a slog to get through. I ended up getting through it pretty quick, especially the second time, but really liked it in the way that. Some of these things, some of these panels and the things are just incredible. Yeah. They, they really, I, you could just sit and stare. I, I got to tell you, uh, you, you referenced those, uh, uh, and I guess it's, it's not a nine panel grid. I guess it's a 12 panel grid, but, now. uh, and, uh, my favorite line, which I think nailed it. And I thought it was so well written. He, uh, is the Ur queen is talking to her son saying, I need, a I need a myrrh to swim in the yeah. tides of time and a lin to cease the assault on the filigree of order, which we webbed so diligently th uh, through all the unforgiving chaos. And <laughs> uh, for some reason, that just, it sounded so poetic to me. And of yeah. course, you, you combine the words Merlin. And, and then, I mean, it's spelled it out right there. If you haven't, if you're not too much on your Camelot lore, by the time you hit that panel, there's that's when the light bulb will definitely click and go, oh my God. And then you think of the Knights of Veld, you think of the Knights of Round Table. So right away, I'm thinking, yep. all right, who's Who's Lancelot? Who's Percival? Who's Galahad? Exactly. Right, who's going to be Morgan Le Fay? Is Amber mm -hmm. going to be the villain? Who's going to be the secret villain here? Like, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I want to, I want to go to Wikipedia right now. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And that's the thing you even say, like, you would assume that Amber would be a hero, but I'm getting the idea that Liam Sheptaway is going to play this and he's going to be playing very much on myth and the idea of story is magic. And I think that there has to be a villain that, you know, you even yeah. play that up. Their essay, and I think that she might become the villain. I think that she might be Morgan in all of this. But again, who knows? Because it, it's kind of a funny play where maybe the hint here is when you're watching the football game, you end up her saying, hey, there's my you know, kind of friend, my boyfriend. Uh, it's kind of like Edward Scissorhands. But, you know, he's Winona Ryder in this, almost saying that this story is going to twist and turn. It may not be the same thing that you think are the you know, even if it is just the, you know, the tropes of which, you know, there's the girl, there's the guy. Who knows? Because that that kind of was a weird line at first. I'm like, why are we mentioning that? You just want to get the Edward Scissorhands in the air. But it is funny because she says it's like Edward Scissorhands, but he's Winona Ryder. And that's kind of a, a crazy little thing thrown in there that when you start saying, well, he must be Lancelot or he must. Maybe things are, you know, not quite like that because stories get turned around and things. and she. In this, where you don't know tons about her, but the way Liam Sharp writes her, she's very, very strong character that you want to see more of. He, he gets that. Like, you really are intrigued by her, even as she's being called a weirdo the whole time and all that stuff yeah. with it. Which is well, I tell you what, uh, Amber disturbed me a little bit. And even Daryl, her her boyfriend, yeah, the Darryl. football player. Was, I, always, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, he, he was a little up. He was a, he thought she was a little bit off a rocker yeah. first, too. When she she talked about, you know, 
inviting him to England so they could resurrect her dead parents. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. and then and then she then she actually kind of apologized later, saying, "I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know why I, I said that." And I guess I it was you know. And it, I think yeah, that was definitely an off-putting thing to say. And but and it's also very dark. So I'm I'm thinking, is that a hint that she's got some pretty That's what I'm pretty sick darkness in yeah. uh, in her? That and the funny thing is when she says, "Oh, I was just." You weren't joking. He's <laughs> like, no, you weren't. You meant it. Look at you. Uh, but yeah, and you have it. But even like the way that he draws it when it's so almost photorealistic at points. And so you get like the emotions when you have them laughing. You really get that sense of like they really like each other. They're happy. Like it really does work in that more than a lot of other comics where you just kind of, you know, OK, they're doing this. They're doing that. But I, I do like that play but like you said the big intrigue going forward one of them is like which character are they going to become what are they going to do how does this happen i mean you could go tropey as he goes and they end up doing that seance deal the whole deal on all hallows eve and that transports them back into Pamela. i don't know uh, like is it going to be that tropey or is it going to be more clever or is it going to be like oh my god i need my nights i need this and they all go it's something that i want to see because it is weird the idea that the earth queen sends her son back and even then saying you know we've tried this at point and it doesn't but because she loves her son she didn't want to bring her son into this so he she ends up having to so when you end up doing that like what's the deal because she only sends him back you know they need to get this whole thing going so that's kind of intriguing how that will be and who who he ends up meeting all that stuff going on. And I, I think that it's pretty well, cool. I, I like I like how Liam Sharp has already established some character work. I got the sense that yep. Gwendolyn didn't like Ur, the Ur Queen. Uh, Gwendolyn, I got the sense that she never she never liked that, that there's some tension there. I yeah. clearly uh, Amber and Daryl, uh, they're not necessarily all at Edom and all issues. So there's something going yeah. on there. There's some uh, we know that there's time shenanigans. One thing we should mention about the some of the exposition here is that the tenses change. And that's yeah. because and it's so cleverly done by Liam Sharp. Again, this is something that He's writing above his pay grade here in my mind yeah, in many of these areas because he'll he'll say something uh, he'll mention an event the narrator will mention an event and then we'll we'll change the the tense of the event from past to future and you're getting the sense that that's because maybe time is changing as we're being told the story yep. because in the past the cast the bad guys are manipulating time and so the yeah, ten, you know and so you're getting the sense that things are at stake even while the story's being told and it raises the stakes to for the reader as well and so it's very effective i, I was, it does and, and again if somehow liam sharp you're not insulting him saying that he's writing above his pay grade we're just saying <laughs> the things that we had now with everything that i've heard and been told about dc especially like that brave and the bold how much was it that the editorial got into that and maybe changed around? Because this is him being able to do his own thing, you know, kind of putting this out. I don't know how much editorial guidance he had on this. This seems to be something that is his deal. He's going to do it. And I think that he's hitting it really well here, way more than he did. Like, this is so much more a complex story than that Brave and the Bold deal. And that Brave and the Bold at points just fell apart. I mean, completely fell apart from issue to issue and this is like you said even this book itself is a bigger pay grade than than anything of that and yeah. he's able to do this and actually do it very well there's not a point 
yeah, I'm a, you're supposed to be confused. I said there was a little bit of a quirkiness of the the narration that kind of threw me out in something so serious. And then you kind of I think that he wanted to lighten the mood a bit with that. But by the end, like this is really good. And it is one of those where it's not just relying on the art. It's not just, oh, I'm going to. Hey, I usually do all this great art. I'm going to try to. This seems like it could have been even if they decided, which would be crazy. But to have somebody else do the art, the story itself is still good enough. To have that happen, it's just good that he ends yeah. up doing the we, art. We, I think we would be lax if we didn't mention that Dave Gibbons, I mean, the legendary yeah. Dave Gibbons is on the font, is on the lettering here, which that's actually kind of surprises me. But uh, uh, maybe I wonder if uh, I've not, uh, I, I think Jace maybe did an interview with Liam Sharp on this. I'll have to I'll yeah. have to re-listen to it. But I, I'm wondering if, if, if Dave Gibbons collaborated in the story in any way with Liam. Maybe, but maybe he's, he's the not layout, maybe, and stuff like that, because that, he knows how to get around a comic. Also, I'm looking, yeah. you do even have additional art by who I'm assuming be maybe his, his wife, Liam's wife, or at least because it's Matilda McCormick Sharp. So, you know, you have, like again, that just, in my mind, this shows, you know, that it is like a loving type of deal. I mean, it really is. And he, like I said, he's been talking about this for a while for it to be coming out. And he was all excited. He ended up getting a lot. And you do have a lot of big names saying how much they're enamored with this. And sometimes that doesn't really impress me. Sometimes it's, you know, lip service or whatnot. But this seems like one of them being uh, Michael W. Conrad. And I'm not I know me and you both are not loving yeah. <laughs> you know, the Clunrad Wonder Woman, but he has gone out of his way to tell people that. I mean, in a way that I thought was really nice and really, you know, cool of him to really stress. You got to read this. You got to even just wait till you see it. Wait till you read it. And he's uh, really been pushing it, uh, which is nice of him to do. But if you have something this good, why not hitch your wagon to it? I mean, seriously, get involved and, and get going because it is it's really good. And at there, and I say this and I'm looking at the back and I didn't realize there's a quote from Michael Conrad in the back. But, you know, Dave Gibbons has it, uh, a quote, a star spanning saga of ancient magic and deep science vividly told by a modern master of the comics medium. I mean, you have Dave Gibbons calling you a modern master after only a couple of things. That's pretty big. And I think that, you know, it should be genuine. You know, you have some of our favorites, Brian Michael Bendis, right? Yeah. You got him there. Phil Jimenez, that's cool. Kelly Sue DeConnick. I mean, all these things with them giving their, you know, thumbs up, which I give too. They're going to have Jim and Rocky. It's cool. That's all I'd say. (laughs) Pretty cool. I'd have some stupid. My whole blurb would be like, I thought I was going to be bored, but I wasn't. Like, it wasn't that great a blurb. I'm not getting on the back cover. But what would you give this? Uh, uh, well, just look, look, man. I, I I love the 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 rich history, the the questions I'm asking. We haven't even covered so much of. There's so much more that we could have talked about here. I I want to, uh, you know, I hate giving it such a high score early on, but I I really enjoyed this. I I mean, again, I took five pages of notes and I enjoyed I enjoyed every note I made, and uh, I got to give it a nine. Uh, I've, yeah. I have that, I think it has that much potential. I'm going higher. I mean, I'm usually Mr. Negative and things like this. I'm giving a nine three. I almost went to a nine five. But again, there's a couple little things I'm I need them to connect before I can say. And I think the same with you, the idea that you don't want to go too high in a first issue because there's a lot of things put on the table there. And if it doesn't get resolved, things like that, then, you know, whatever. But even with that, I thought that it was really cool. I like looking at it and I ended up I get, you know, the image 
uh, review copy. So when I first read this, I actually was like, oh, my God, I started telling some people about it. And I even had some word. I know that everybody that I know that has read this really likes it, except one guy. That guy's name's Ruben. Ruben has become the most miserable guy ever. He's like, I didn't really get into it. And I'm like, this is his type of book. I mean, I thought that he was going to love it. And he's like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I think that he just likes to say things to get me mad. But with that, yeah, I'm a 9-3. I think it's really good. I think everybody should check it out. But that's it. That would be our book of the week. I don't know that we're going to. Yeah, Like I said, we'll figure out how we're going to do the format and things of what goes on with this. I, I said I have some crazy ideas that I usually have that might even be able to expand some things and get a little bit of a personal a little touch. But me and you and what we like and things like that. But, yeah, let us know what's going on if you like it and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I thought this was a good way to start it off uh, because these are the three first issues. I, I think yep. all of these issues bring something different to the table. They're all very, very different types yeah. of stories. That's the great thing about indies. These are in their own separate universes. You don't need to worry about being screwed up by editorial events and and any other such nonsense. And uh, this is, uh, like I said, this was this was this was enjoyable. And uh, it's uh, yeah, just straight up. And, you know, definitely Starhenge was uh, is uh, e even the title Starhenge. I love it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I play on Stonehenge. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just From it's just great. Have yeah. you ever been to Stonehenge? Uh, you know what? I haven't, but my dad has. And uh, my dad's, I'll never forget what my, my, my brother and his wife took my, took my parents to, to Stonehenge mm -hmm. about 10 years ago. And uh, my dad's, Ryan, uh, my brother Ryan uh, is, uh, famously tells a story, which, which is now a big deal in our family. This story is when my dad first saw Stonehenge, they get out, they get out, apparently you get off the tour bus and you walk for a hundred meters and, and then you're in front of these yep. stones. And my dad's infamous words were, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Cause he was extremely disappointed. Uh, he thought yeah, there yeah. had to be more to this than just rocks, but yeah, no, that's, that, all that, that's all it is. It's just rocks piled on top of each other. And it's, it's you know, apparently at least one person, namely my dad, uh, thought it was extremely underwhelming. But. Yes. I, I was there twice, but they were all as little kids. And the first time I went, I really liked it, but I, I was at that point, I was kind of into a bunch of like King Arthur stuff and even mythology and yeah. stuff like that. Second time I went, I was like, I've already seen this. I'm with your dad, maybe. And the first time I went, you were allowed to, I mean, you could touch it. You'd be there. Now you can't really even get very close to it because they have it, you know, sectioned off and things like that is what I was told. But yeah, we, my mom's from England. So we would go and I, I've seen a bunch of the things that wasn't the most impressive thing that I've seen. I also went to Stratford-upon-Avon and we ended up where we we're going through and like, this is the house of William Shakespeare. I'm like, all right. But at, I think at that point, I think I would have liked that more now. At that point, I really didn't care much. I was like, I just want to get the hell out of here. And uh, I was probably because I was a teenager. I was a jerk when I went there. But now that I think back at it. Uh, but yeah, I'm telling you, Stonehenge are going down into the cavern in Liverpool. That the Liverpool deal was my favorite. That was one of my favorite things that I've done in my life because I'm such a Beatles fan. And uh yeah, a bunch of rocks, but I do like that title, Starhenge. It's really cool. Like, that is a neat play on the deal, especially once you get into it. And you're thinking, like, oh, that fits. I mean, it really does of how the story goes. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad that we did this. It's funny. Like I said, we, we decided to do this two days ago. Never <laughs> even know. We didn't even know how we were going to start off the intro. So I hope that people like it. We'll continue yeah. 
doing it because there's always more indie stuff. And like you said, we start off with the number ones, which is cool. And we'll have a lot of number ones usually on this. That's kind of how a lot of these things end up. But we will continue some things that we like, even if it is, like I said, we have to figure out a format, but maybe it's like the idea of, you know, back talking about Starhenge number two and maybe not as long. Who knows? This book, it kind of deserves it. But someone maybe if they get a little wonky, you know, you kind of you know, leave them and whatnot, but we'll figure it out. There's so many books. That's the problem. It's easier when you have one company, they have a set amount of books, but there's so many books, but we'll try get that eventually, maybe even get some suggestions and things like that. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I just want to take the opportunity here. Uh, this will this will be uh, playing uh, both on uh, the, my Comic Boom channel and also on the Weird Science DC YouTube channel as well, and also on the Weird Science uh, DC uh, pod podcast and probably what, we'll what, figure it out. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure out the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I think and, we're uh, definitely going to put it up on uh, both our. Marvel and DC feeds. Yeah, I, I just I just want to give a shout out to Weird Science DC. I, uh, I, I, I I'm very very fortunate. I get the best of both worlds. I, I collaborate with Jace at the Comic Source podcast, and now I'm collaborating with you, Weird Science. And uh, I, I love DC. I'm a DC guy first and foremost. Uh, but uh, I'm getting out with Indy, so I'm really enjoying this. And I I thank you for sort of uh, us sort of banging our heads and doing this. Yeah, I like I, I like the variety and getting different different perspectives and everything else. It's it's a lot of fun, and I definitely. I would encourage people to go and uh, join the uh, the Weird Science DC. You can, you know, you you got your uh, you got your 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 Patreon, and uh, you got your own. People can contribute to the Patreon and become a member of the the Slack, the the Get Fresh Fresh Crew. Yeah. It's always uh-huh. great. I got to tell you, I've been collecting comics uh, since I'm, I'm 53 years old. I've been collecting since I was uh, basically six and a half, seven years old, and I've forgotten so much. And it's very refreshing. Uh, to like w- when I forget something or if I can't remember something, which happens quite often on a DC comic, I, all I have to do is go to the Slack, and one of the members of the Get First crew will correct me when I'm mm-hmm. wrong, yeah, or yeah, enlighten yeah. me, and uh, it's either you or <laughs> or, yeah. or Eric or uh, somebody else in the Slack uh, that will will do so. So it's a uh, it's good. So I just I I just want to give it a shout out because uh, you know in the midst of all this comic book culture war and, and this anxiety and nonsense going on in in uh, our politics and everything right now, it's nice to just take a you know you know I sip a Corona and read a comic and it, it takes a lot off my mind and uh, you know pick up an indie comic. Now, yeah, I drink uh, the uh, Coke Zero. <laughs> I'm not a drinker. I have not drank anything in. Quite some time. Challenge accepted. You'll be back drunk. In, back in the day, you have to drink <laughs> twice as much because I'm here. And uh, that's the deal. I'm already wacky enough without getting drunk. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, everybody, you know, check out all those things. I'm sure we'll have show notes and links and things with that. But, you know, the first issue or episode, I like to just kind of do our thing and get out and do our deal. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, thank you, Rocky, for doing this. This is really cool. I'm really glad that we are doing it gives me another chance because I, I usually need to have something to make me read some things. And this will make me read some of the indie things. That's why I ended up doing a manga podcast. So I had to read it. And I love that. So I, you know, I love comics. And it's one of those things when you end up getting a little tired of some of them, there's always others. So yeah. that's why well, I, I've never, I, this was your first ADW comic. Yep. Uh, the, the, and it'll, I can't remember if I've ever read a manga comic, to be honest. And and I would, I would screw it up because I, I going left to right would probably, wacky. yeah, that would you be get a, used to it really quick. The problem is, is when you end up where you'll have a podcast where, okay, I'm doing a manga podcast and then I, I got to get done and go do this other. And you're used to reading right to left and then you go and you start, and, but 
eventually even that comes easy. You kind of get used to it and get in the mode. Uh, but it it has its you know benefits over there as well as like the indie. A lot of good character work and things. I, I, so eventually, we'll have an episode <laughs> where I'll force you into. We will do a manga episode <laughs> where we'll, we'll see what you think. But yeah, sure, I, that would be well, great. Just a, a quick, a quick comment. I got to complain. Uh, I, I at times I've gotten, I have downloaded really cheap comic book reading apps. Yeah, and some of them that are really cheap, I get pissed off because I want to read my American comic books, and 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 it goes from left to right. Like I, it, it won't. Mm-hmm. It'll get the order of the comic book wrong because it's used yes. to manga. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it happens. It happens. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is the player I have, it ends up where you can switch it. So I'll be yeah. reading a manga and I'll forget to switch it back. And then I start doing it and I, I open them trying. Why am I keep I'm going backward. I get, it drives me nuts. It, it's almost like the idea when you're in a car and you're stationary, but the car next to you starts going back or forth and it feels like you're moving because yeah. the car, you see the peripheral vision of that car. I'm like, well, that's happening here. But you get <laughs> well, used to it. Really you know, do. some of these writers nowadays, some of the comic stories nowadays actually make more sense when you read them backwards. So yeah, it, that is you know, true. You know, I mean, actually, hey. there's a funny deal where there's times where you read like a manga and you forget and you read left to right. And even then you're like, that kind of made sense. <laughs> like it didn't really make that much of a difference, but it does. But again, there's people like Andrew in Belfast. A little shout out to him. He said to me, like, I think I might start reading the manga. I think, you know, what should I read? And I gave him a couple suggestions. I am not joking. Within two days, he had read over 200 chapters of different manga. He was people get you do get obsessed with it right away. Like it's so it's easy to read through a chat. So it makes you feel like you have a sense of accomplishment because most of the chapters are only like 19 pages long and they only have three panels. So you end up, you know, some are different, but it's like that. And it's really, it's good. But again, that'll be for another time. We'll, we'll get it. I'll, I'll, I'll convert you. You will enjoy it. I swear. There's, and again, you're talking where people think manga, like it's like, okay, manga's one thing. There are more genres of manga than you can ever, ever imagine. There is, if you can't find something and you just, you, you give it up because there are crazy. I mean, I could tell you when we're done, I'll tell you some of these genres. And you'll be like, I never even knew that existed on this planet. It's so crazy, but it's really good. It really is. But with that, I guess we should bid everybody adieu. You're used to these, you know, the YouTube stuff. So you can uh, sign us out here as much as you like to. Yeah, well, everybody, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out. And until next time, Comic Boom and I guess Weird Science out. Out. Thank <laughs> you.